I'm Chad Roberts, and I'm so glad you're with me today on this edition of Awakened to Grace. Today we're in part two of our study on the millennial kingdom or the thousand year reign of Christ. We are studying Revelation chapter 20 and you know we're working our way toward the end of this incredible book. And in today's study we're going to conclude this sermon where we answer many questions concerning Christ's thousand year reign. As always, I hope that you're connecting with us in a more personal way. I hope that you are letting us know who you are, where you're listening from. I love getting emails from our listeners. So this week, take a moment and email me at pastorchadroberts at gmail.com. It's all one word, all lowercase, very simple, Pastor Chad Roberts at Gmail. Make sure you're following our weekly podcast. It's called Awakened to Grace with Chad Roberts, wherever you get your podcast. And make sure you download our free mobile app, simply called Awakened to Grace. Well, friends, we're marching toward the end of the book of Revelation. We've been in an incredible study That has been life-changing to me as I have prepared for it, and I hope you find it life-changing for you as well. If you have missed any of our series throughout the book of Revelation, go back on our website or our mobile app, and you can find them all right there at your fingertips. Well, today is the conclusion of part two of this sermon on the thousand-year reign of Christ in our study called all things new. And doing what you're good at without the need of money. See all these crazy socialists? See, they're trying to do that here on this. It never happened that way. Only the millennial kingdom will bring peace and prosperity. But can you imagine doing what you love without working for money, without the need of money? Let me ask you, can you imagine doing what you love without any trace of sin in you or in creation? Friends, there'll be no sin in our food. (laughs) There'll be no curse in in our food, in our ground. There'll be no curse. Glory to God. Amen. Now, why do I believe that the millennial is literal? There is a thread through Revelation that I want you to take note of. 32 times in the book, John records the phrase, Then I saw. Now that's significant. Then I saw. Then I saw. Then I saw. Do you know what that speaks to me? It speaks of sequence of events. So, all Christians agree... On the second coming. Chapter 19, verse 11. Then I saw the heavens open up. Isn't it interesting that in chapter 4, the heavens opened to let John in. But in chapter 19, the heavens opened to let Christ out. (laughs) 
So in chapter 19, verse 11, all Christians agree, then I saw Christ's return. Okay? Then why do not all the Christians agree with the next sequence of events? Chapter 20, verse 1. Then I saw Satan bound for a thousand years. Now, while the teaching of the millennium is all over Scripture, particularly in Isaiah, in Daniel, in Ezekiel, the last many chapters of Ezekiel in the 40s, uh, especially my favorite text on the millennium is Isaiah chapter 11. There are many, many, 1,800 scriptures that point to it. But only in Revelation 20 does it give the definitive time, which is 1,000 years. Now, some of my brothers in the Lord will argue that that is not a literal 1,000 years. Let me just tell you the kind of pastor you have. I take God's word literal. I am the most literal person about the Bible that you'll ever meet. When the Bible says that the New Jerusalem is of streets of gold, guess what it is? Streets of gold. It's not an allegory. It is streets of gold. Someone asked me one time, why streets of gold? You know why I think? Because the most valuable thing on the earth is the least valuable thing in heaven. I take God's word literal. And if you're a student, if you're a serious student of the Bible, what you'll notice in Revelation is all of the numbers are literal numbers. When the Bible says 144,000 sealed Jews, how many is that? 144,000. 12,000 from each tribe. When the Bible says that the, that the sting of those locusts is going to be five months, how long is that? That's five months. I mean, you don't have to be a scholar to figure this stuff out. When the Bible says that the tribulation period is seven years, how long is that? Seven years. And when the Bible talks about the last three and a half years, the Holy Spirit wants us to get the point so much across that, do you know how many times he calls it? He calls it... He calls it 42 months. How long is that? Three and a half years. He calls it 1,260 days. How long is that? Three and a half years. And just so we definitely get it, he even throws in a little bit of a riddle. And he calls it time, times, and half a time. And what does that mean? Three and a half years. And those are literal numbers. So why would we not think that the thousand years is not a literal number? So my brothers who argue that it is figurative, not literal, I scratch my head at that because there's so much overwhelming evidence throughout Revelation that is literal. Then some try to say that the thousand-year reign happened in the past. What? Okay. So follow my logic here. 32 times John writes, then I Saul. In other words, they are fresh visions. And in my interpretation of the Bible, they are sequences of events. So, the second coming happens, chapter 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven open. Now we flow into chapter 20. We're going to see, then I saw 
the millennial reign of Christ. Then we're going to close today with verse 11 of chapter 20. Then I saw the great white throne judgment. Friends, what that tells me as a student of God's word, what that tells me is after the second coming of Christ is then the thousand-year reign of Christ and then the great white throne judgment. Caleb, continue to take us there. Are you guys getting anything out of this today? Boy, it's a lot of stuff. All right, let's go. Oh, I got to go. Okay. I'm running out of time, folks. All right, here we go. Then I saw... Uh Uh-oh. Redo. There we go. There we go. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. So, so I, I got to point this out, and then we really got to pedal to the metal. <laughs> now, this is important. See, a lot of people, got, they got bad theology. They think that Satan and Jesus are on the same playing field. Friends, that's horrible theology. Who binds Satan in this text? Not Jesus. Just an angel. Friends, Satan is no match for the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Satan was created by the Lord Jesus Christ. And these horrible views that Satan and Jesus are are, are on the same playing field, that's not biblical. Jesus doesn't even bother with that ancient serpent. He dispatches an angel to take care of it. Amen? Go on. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. So, so just real quick, because uh, this is important, what are these thrones? Remember what Jesus said in the Gospels? Should you not be able to settle the disputes of life? Because you are going to judge angels and judge the nations. This is what he refers to in the millennial kingdom. <clears throat> and then he says... Again, my brothers who argue that the millennium has already passed. What? The ones who were raised to life, these tribulation martyrs, they did not receive the mark of the beast in their hand or their forehead. So how can that be if the mark of the beast has not come upon the world? It doesn't make sense to me if you follow the simple progression of Scripture. Continue. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Okay, so let's deal with this real quick. What is this, the rest did not come to life for a thousand years? Understand the resurrections of the Bible real quick. Can I give you just a quick crash course? If you're going to take notes, jot it down. The Bible calls Christ the first fruits, right? He was the first in this resurrection of a glorified body. When will the New Testament church be resurrected? Well, those who have already died in the Lord will be resurrected at the rapture, at the harpazo. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Then those who are, those who have died, the, the dead in Christ will be the first to rise. We who are alive and remain, we shall be called up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. (coughs) Excuse me. 
So we who are alive, if we are raptured, we'll receive a glorified body. We'll never taste death. <coughs> Excuse me. We'll receive a glorified body. Now, the next resurrection is going to be in this millennial kingdom. And who is that? That's tribulation saints. Remember, we've said through the whole study, different categories of people. You have the church. You have Israel. You have Old Testament saints. You have uh, uh, the angels. You have the four living creatures. And uh, so there's many categories throughout Revelation. Look for patterns. And then it makes sense. So tribulation saints, those who refuse to take the mark, those who are killed for the word of God, John says, will be raised to life during the millennium. Who are these people who's raised after the millennium? Those are Old Testament saints. Go back to Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through about 8 or 11. Just read verses 1 through 11, and that will explain the Old Testament saints and how Daniel prophesied their resurrection. So, New Testament saints resurrected at the rapture of Christ. Tribulation saints resurrected at the beginning of the millennium. Old Testament saints resurrected at the end of the millennium. And I can't pass this up. What does it mean that the second death will not harm you? We'll close with that today. The second death. See, everyone that is not born again, when you die, everyone dies a physical death. That's when your soul detaches from your body. That's the first death. Everyone dies that, believer and non-believer alike. But see, if you're born again, you'll never die a second death. And you know what the second death is? That's when your soul is forever departed from God. That's where you will never have hope again. That's why the Bible says it is appointed to man to die once. And after this, the judgment. You know what that really means? You have one opportunity to die right. You have one opportunity to be right with God. And so if you're born once, you're going to die twice. If you're born of your mother into this physical realm, you'll die twice. You'll die a physical death. You'll die a spiritual death. But if you're born twice, if you're born of your mother's womb, but then you're born again by the Spirit of God, Friends, you'll only die once. Amen. And when it says that the second death will not harm them, you know what the literal meaning of that? It means the second death won't even recognize you. It means the second death will pass over you. When the Israelites put the blood over the doorpost of their home in the book of Exodus, when the death angel came upon the land of Egypt, what does the Bible say that the death angel did when it saw the blood? It passed over. <laughs> and you know what will happen to born again believers? That second death will pass over. Friends, it won't even see you. It won't even recognize you. Because we will be clothed in the blood and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Continue on. Blessed and holy is the one who <clears throat> shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of there God and of Christ, yes. and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. So, real quick. So, again, be sensitive to patterns. 
Six times in chapter 20, he says a thousand years. You should circle it all six times. Six times. Friends, the Bible wants us to take this literal. Now, continue on, Caleb. He gathered them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So this is very complicated. Oh, gosh. Will you give me just a little more time than normal? Can I have a little more time to explain this? We, uh, man, you know, you know what we always say, when the Holy Ghost moves in the sanctuary, the devil's moving back in kids' church, so we need to be sensitive to our kids' church staff today. The kids will be hanging from the ceiling. I mean, not hanging, I mean, they'll be swinging, that's what I said, they'll be swinging. We have better staff than that, I hope. Boy, Satan got busy in there. <laughs> Lord Jesus, take the wheel, Okay. So, who are these that are going to be deceived? Now, that's a major question. You know, when I got serious about really diving into this idea of the Millennium Kingdom years ago, it really disturbed me. I thought, Lord, could I follow you all the days of my life and then end at the end of the Millennium and be deceived by Satan? And you know what I felt the Holy Spirit tell me? I felt the Holy Spirit say, Chad, remember, the earth, remember, the curse is reversed. These are perfect conditions. There's not a trace of sin until Satan is released in this final moment. And I felt the Lord say, Chad, if you followed me in this sin-ridden world, you will absolutely follow me in the millennial kingdom. So who are these that's going to be deceived? Let me tell you what scholars think. So we who either, we were either raptured with a glorified body or we had passed and we were resurrected with a glorified body. Either way, you and I will have glorified bodies in the thousand year millennium reign with Christ. Now what did Christ teach? Is there marriage in heaven? No. Boy, that makes Sadie so mad. Sadie says, so I spent my whole life working on you, and then we get to heaven and we're not married. That really makes her furious. But anyways, she can take that up with the Lord. But Jesus said, no, there's not going to be marriage in heaven. We're going to be like the angels. There'll be no need for marriage. So there's not going to be that desire in us. So who are these that's going to be deceived? Well, Isaiah talks about children being born into the millennial kingdom. Who are these children? Well, there's going to be numerous people, untold numbers, who's going to survive the seven-year tribulation, and they'll enter into the millennial kingdom. Now, those who took the mark, they will not enter. See, that's what Jesus meant in the book of Matthew when he separates the sheep from the goats. No. But those who are true to Jesus, they're going to enter the kingdom. And they're going to enter the millennial kingdom with their physical bodies. So that's the next question. Then how are they going to live for a thousand years? 
I think, I think the earth is going to go back to those conditions pre-flood. And how long did people live in pre-flood? A thousand years. Look at Methuselah. How did that happen? There's lots of answers. I can't get into all of them now. But one of the answers is that the oxygen levels of the earth are going to be different. Right now, you can look it up. Scientists are doing all kinds of experiments. What happens in oxygen-rich environments to diseases? I think things will go back to that pre-flood thing where people did live hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, like Methuselah. Now, scholars believe those people will procreate during the millennial reign. Will it be those children who grow up in that kingdom that they will be deceived by Satan? Because do you know what that ultimately proves? Even in perfect conditions... The human heart is utterly depraved. So Satan's going to deceive a number of people. The Bible says the, as the sea on the seashore, as the sand on the seashore, that many people. But then God is going to once and for all put an end to Satan. He's going to throw him into the lake of fire. Now, as I begin to close up, <clears throat> I want you to understand this because many Christians don't know this. This will stun you if you don't know this. Did you know that hell is not for eternity? And did you know that heaven is not for eternity? See, the Bible teaches, as we're going to read right now, the Bible teaches what's called the lake of fire. The Bible says that death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. Hell, right now, as we know it, the man, the rich man who has treated Lazarus poorly, who Jesus said, asked for a drop of water just to cool his tongue. He's not even in, he, he is in hell. He's not in the lake of fire. And heaven is not forever. We're going to live in the new heavens and the new earth forever. Heaven will one day be emptied out and we'll live on this earth. Now, Caleb, take us quickly through what is called the great white throne judgment. Verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Listen to that. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Caleb, continue. This is the second death. That's the second death. And if you're born again today, you'll never die that second death. If you're not born again, you'll experience it. Continue. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Wow. He was thrown. Oh. That ought to put a chill down every one of our spine. Let me tell you what I notice is absent. When we read this passage, 
You know what you don't see a trace of? You know what you don't hear anything of? Grace. Because there'll be no grace at the great white throne judgment. If you're born again today, you will never stand before the great white throne because Jesus took your sins on the cross. But see, today, if you're just a good person, if you're just a decent person, no. You'll stand before the great white throne. Oh, friends, hear my heart today. You need the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need his mercy today. You need his grace today. Because Hebrews 9, 27, you have one opportunity to die right with God. One. And there's no redos. At this great white throne, you'll not have an attorney. You'll not have a defense. You'll not have an excuse. And my precious friend, you will never have an appeal. For it is an eternal 